Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Weird World Podcast. I'm Dean. I'm Carrie. We are going solo today. Solo duo, solo. You know what I mean. <laughs> Too solo. <laughs> we have no queso today. Possibly because Carrie is breaking her vow to bring us only upbeat fare, and she's actually going to do something today that's a little more serious, mm-hmm. a little more tense. And also, I don't know, maybe a trigger warning if you aren't a fan of hearing about children in danger. Correct. Okay. If you are a fan of that, (laughs) you have something else wrong with you. But this is actually a pretty gripping and suspenseful story, but it does involve kids. Yes, it does. Take it away, Carrie. Bunches of them. Okay, here we go. Ed, the school bus driver. Driving a school bus. 26 kids, ages 5 to 14. They have been driven around in the burning hot dark for 11 hours, but they've only gone about 100 miles. The burning hot dark. I like that. No pit stops. They finally arrive at their destination, a rock quarry in Livermore, California. That is in the Bay Area. It is in the Bay Northern Area. Northern California. Mm-hmm. It's 3.30 in the morning. Kids shouldn't be up that late. They shouldn't be. They're actually not in the bus at this point. Oh. They're in vans. Oh. The back doors swing open. There's two guys standing there. Ed, the school bus driver, is the first one told to get out of the van. One of the guys asks him for his name. The other one... Makes him take off his pants and his boots. This is not going well. Wait, they've been driving for 11 hours? Mm-hmm. Okay. And they never asked him his name in all that time. Not very friendly. No. They hand him a flashlight and tell him to go climb down this hole. There's a ladder. Climb down the hole with the ladder in it. Pantsless. Pantsless. Well, I'm assuming he's got his boxer shorts on. It's still pantsless. Above the ground, the... Two guys there are basically roll-calling the children, getting the children out of the vans, and as they step out of the vans, they're asking them for their names and their ages. Did they start with A.A. Ron? No, they don't know the kids' names. Okay. They're asking them for their names oh, and their ages, and they're writing them down on an old jack-in-the-box bag. Okay. The kids are also stripped. I'm no. assuming down to their underwear. I don't know. Well, I don't like to hear that. And they're sent down the hole to join bus driver Ed. This whole prison that they're into looks like a moving van, but the sides and the ceiling are warped from the weight of the dirt around it because it's buried in the ground. Ed, the school bus driver, is immediately worried that it's just going to cave in, that the ceiling's going to cave in. So... There's dirt on top of it, uh-huh. so it's like almost like a tunnel, almost, but formed by a... What looks like a moving van. A moving van. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. So they've, they've dug it a hole big enough for a moving van with dirt on top of it. Uh-huh. Okay. Ed's also worried that they might suffocate. There's two air shafts, basically hoses, that run above ground to a tree... There are some mattresses on the floor of the moving van and a paltry amount of necessities. Some Wonder Bread, some peanut butter, potato chips, 
and some water jugs. I want to be very clear that one bread is not a necessity. But <laughs> I understand what you mean. If it's going to keep you alive, That's it true. is. I like winter bread. There were also some holes carved in the ground for toilets. After all the kids got inside. The ground being the bottom of the moving van floor. Correct. Okay. Mm -hmm. After all the kids were inside with school bus driver Ed, they heard metal plates being slid over the entrance that they climbed down. And then they didn't know this, but... Then the steel plate was weighted down by two 100-pound tractor batteries. Yikes. They are locked in there. So they're not getting out. Obviously, as you might imagine, the kids start begging to be let out, and some of them start screaming. <sighs> Welcome to the Weird World oh Podcast. Oh, my God. Good tease, Carrie. <laughs> That's terrible. It's very suspenseful, though. Are we well, going to find out what happened to these kids? What did happen to these kids? I don't yes. like what might happen to these kids. I don't like them making them take their pants I don't off. like any of this. I know. Well, it's 1976, Dean. So you're going to tell us how we got here. Yes, I am going to tell you Thank how you. we got there. Thank you. July 15th, 1976, to be exact, told you they were taken to Livermore, California, but they had been driven about 100 miles. So their journey started out in Chowchilla, Chowchilla, California, California, which is in the Central Valley uh, near a town called Madera, right? What else? Bakersfield-ish, Fresno? Mm, Much, much further north of Bakersfield, closer to Fresno. Okay, Fresno-ish. Think central, central part. The upper central part of California, that's close enough for most of our listeners. Yeah, and in 1976, it's pretty pretty rural. It still is pretty rural. Well. It's a small town. But as I said, this is July 1976. We are in California. I was 10 years old at the time, BT dubs. And California had some things going on in the 70s. Two years before this. The Symbionese Liberation Army had kidnapped Patty Hearst. Yes. Big deal. Was that Berkeley? Is that where that happened? Uh, maybe. I think she was a student at Berkeley, so probably. I don't think it was Berkeley, actually. Oh. I don't know. I thought, it, for some reason, I thought she went down to LA and did crazy shit. Mm. I don't remember. I was very young in 1974. I was too. But I'm pretty sure. Oh, no. Yep. But, here in Berkeley. Okay. <laughs> right here in my notes. I'm smart, though, because I knew that. They did, because they robbed banks and stuff like that. So she was the daughter of a. William Randolph Hearst, uh, heir to a former media fortune, mm-hmm. owner of San Simeon, the gigantic mansion in, on the central coast of California, and she was um, kidnapped by this very radical group called the Simeonese Liberation yeah. Army and the Civil Rights Group, and she had the worst case of supposed Stockholm syndrome ever and went and robbed banks with them after yeah. being kidnapped by them. Calling herself, what was her nickname? She had a new name. Yeah. She gave herself a new name. I yeah. Know. I forget what her new name was, too. But didn't some people think maybe she was in on it? Some people do. Yeah. I don't know. That might be a good weird world someday. Okay. Let's save it. Richard Nixon, who had been the president, also from California. Mm-hmm. To our great Whittier. Shame. Born very near my hometown. Yes. For shame. <laughs> he had resigned, as we all know. Charles Manson had only been in prison for about five years. Wow. 
Little did he know, he was just getting started with his prison trip. The Zodiac Killer still hasn't been caught. And I remember this very well. Fault lines were cracking all over the state, and everybody in California was waiting for the big one. Fault lines are cracking all over the state. Yep. That's a good line. I don't know what you mean by that, but I, I like... <laughs> well, I like earthquakes. Earthquakes all yeah, over the place. There was a big earthquake in 73. Uh-huh. Is that Silmar? I think so. Yep. I don't know. But the, um, to go back to the Zodiac Killer, Zodiac Killer had, what, early 70s? It's late 60s, early 70s. Mm-hmm. So he hadn't been active for a while, but he was still a big, big deal in the mid-70s. Yeah. People were still thinking about him. Yeah. In fact, I don't know if you can get into it, but... but no, I'm not. Okay. But I thought... I remember reading some time ago, a long time ago, that some people suspected he might mm. have something to do with Child Child, this, this very event we're talking about yeah. now. The Zodiac I mean, Killer may yeah. have been involved, or the mastermind behind it. Yeah, just that there were rumors yeah. that it was a possibility. So all this kind of stuff is going on in California, yeah. and poor little sleepy Child Chillas just minding their own business, tended their farms, going to school, this summer school, because it's July. But yeah, it sucks to be summer school anyway, and then you get kidnapped. Yeah, I mean, Chowchilla is basically an inland farming town, and when this event happened, as one might imagine, the world oh focuses on oh, yeah. Chowchilla. You've got twenty-seven kids missing. Who was not used and mass. to it? It mm-hmm. was massive. There were about I read four hundred reporters. In Chowchilla, that's one for every 10 people, wow. about every 10 people in Chowchilla. Their um, population at the time was under 5,000. Yeah. Um, this was the largest kidnapping ever in the United States. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, wouldn't a hijacking qualify? I guess it's, uh, an airline full of people would be more. Uh, hijacking was probably not considered a kidnapping. It's probably its okay. own little category of crime. Okay. Only big, big category of crime, which we're also talking, this is the heyday of hijacking at the time. Presumably, 26 children, one adult man, the school bus driver had just vanished into thin air. So I I, I forgot the date again, you told me, but... July 15th, 1976. So they're driving home at late afternoon, presumably, Mm -hmm. or something like that, and okay. Yes, I'll I'll get to all that, that too. Because I'm going to need to start a timeline. I know. I'm just giving you some information about Chowchilla. Thank you. Uh, The median family income there in Chowchilla at the time, just over $6,800. What would that be today's dollars? Do not know. Not much. Fun fact. Presumably, this might have just been one of those stories, but a New York reporter who was flying out to cover the Chowchilla kidnapping, bus napping, flew into Los Angeles and took a cab from to L.A. Chilla. to Chowchilla. It was a seven-hour drive, and it either cost $400 or $1,000, depending gonna, on who you ask. I bet 1000 man. That's crazy. But imagine if it was $1,000 and the median income of Chowchilla is $6,800. Yeah, that's nuts. Apparently, Chowchilla sprang up during the Great Depression because of Dust Bowl refugees heading west. So a lot of Okies ended um, up. Derogatory term, Carrie. Not anymore. Okay. Okies are just nice people from Oklahoma in my book. At the time, it was a derogatory term. In in the day. But so a a lot of people who ended up settling in Chowchilla originally came from Oklahoma. Hmm. Isn't that interesting? Did not know that. Absolutely. Thank you. 
there will be other fun facts about Chow Thank Chilla you. Are you going to talk about John Steinbeck? Nope. Okay. The current population, just FYI, like I said, 1976, <laughs> it was under 5,000. Now they're up to uh, 18,000-something. Nice. Yep. Rapid growth. Someone read the Wikipedia <laughs> page for Chow Chilla, it sounds like. I did. The official Chow Chilla website oh, has some interesting facts about Chow Chilla. There was an arch built there. It's all about fires. Arch built there in 1913, but it burned down in 1937, <laughs> possibly because of hobos. What? <laughs> also a derogatory term. Yes. The Maybe. first custom grain elevator in California was built there in 1916. It also burnt down. Damn, think for now. We're getting back to the kids, right? At some, at some point. Eventually. All right. And the Hotel Chowchilla had suffered many fires as well. Wow. This is, is there all an arsonist in Chowchilla? Interesting in the 70s? facts about Chowchilla. Yes, they have problems with fires Fire. there. Okay. So, anyway, those fun facts about Chowchilla, I don't think their website talks about the fact that it was the site of the largest kidnapping for ransom no. in American history. No, they leave that out when they're talking about things burning down. They're okay to talk about the hotels and shit burning down, but kids being kidnapped, they're going to draw But if they did, they would have to say it was not only the largest kidnapping for ransom in American history, it was also one of the most idiotic crimes ever concocted. Should we cue the crazy dumb criminal <laughs> music here? Or? No. Okay. And... When we get into that part, it it literally sounds so stupid. It's probably made up, but it's not. It all happened. <laughs> okay, so okay. now we're back to our normal July afternoon. It's summer school, 1976, July 15th. Ed Ray is the bus driver. Great guy. He's about 55, stocky. But he's a farmer. He hauls around bales of hay. He's just... Super nice guy. Mm -hmm. Thankfully wore underwear on that day. Can mm -hmm. you imagine if it had been a banana hammock or something like that? That would have been oh, Lord. more embarrassing. Well, he's a rancher, and he's married to a bank teller named Odessa. It's a pretty name. He's actually from Merced, but he went to high school in Chowchilla, so he decided to stay there. He is actually a second-generation California born to Oakey parents. You're going pretty easy in that word. I'm not sure. <laughs> he didn't have a great education. He could hardly read or write. But he was, like I said, super nice guy, super trustworthy guy. And he was good with numbers. Oh. <laughs> so on this day, the, the bus was pretty rowdy. It was summer school. And the kids loved him. He was patient and... You know, it sounds like he kind of let them have fun on the bus, but he was reliable and always on time. As long as they shared the weed with him, he was fine. These are kids ages 5 to 14. Like I said. No. I stand by it. The kids had a great day. They actually had been to a swimming pool. So it was that kind of summer school day. Oh, okay. Yep. And they're, you know, having a good time. Some of them are even singing on, on, on the, the bus. bus ride home. Okay. And I guess there had been a petition going around Chowchilla. 65 people signed it. They wanted to keep summer, summer school going for another three weeks. That's a terrible <laughs> idea. Well, you know, these are parents. Please keep our kids in summer school yeah, for another absolutely. three weeks. Of course. <laughs> Mama got to watch your soap operas. And I guess Ed was joking and betting with some of the uh, younger, two of the younger kids. They were a brother and a sister. 
that the extension wouldn't happen and they wouldn't get to go to school for three more weeks. And then he dropped those two kids off. Oh, they imagine. ran through the cornfields to go home and tell their mom all about the bet they made with the bus driver. Were they children of the corn? Did they later? No. <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> so Ed, they, Ed lets the kids off that run through the cornfield. And then he turns on to Avenue 21. He saw a white 71 Dodge van blocking the road with its door open. Mm-hmm. He tried to go around it. And then a guy came out in overalls, had pantyhose covering his face, which is always a bad sign. Yeah, you don't stop. You're in a bus. They're in a not bus. You just run them over. Correct. But he jumped out in front of the bus Mm, with a a gun in his hand. Again, he's going to lose that fight. Yeah, but you got to be careful. I guess he didn't know. Ed didn't know. And Ed was already driving slow because he had just turned Uh, on to to the street. So the man walked up to the Ed's window and said... In kind of a very nice, non not threatening manner, mm-hmm. would you please open? Would you open the door, please? Would you have some gray poupon? So Ed opened the door. Oh, Ed! The guy had a gun. Done it. He didn't want one of the kids to get shot. I suppose. Okay, Ed. I take it back. Two more guys dressed just like the first guy, overalls and pantyhose over their heads. <laughs> some good look. Jumped into the school bus. That is a country music group right there. What? Overalls and pantyhose. I'm guessing that's the <laughs> outfit they'd wear in Nashville, I'm thinking. One of the guys had a rifle. So one had a revolver, one had a rifle. And the rifle was pointed at Ed, the bus driver. So everybody, including Ed, they all moved to the back of the bus because they were worried they wanted to get away from the guns, I'm assuming. The guy with the rifle starts to drive the school bus. And the one with the revolver hopped into the 71 Dodge van. To follow them. From what you said earlier, I'm surprised that none of them, that one of them could drive a school bus. It would have been like, oh my God, did no one know how to drive a bus? Ed, get up here. Yep. Well, they drive about a mile and then they park the bus in a bamboo thicket to hide They have it. bamboo thickets in Central Valley of California? I did not know that. I'm not going to lie. Apparently. It sounds like something they'd have in 2022. It doesn't sound like something they'd have in 76. Bamboo thicket? I don't yeah. think they'd have one ever. Well, they did. So the, everybody gets out. It was very good, calm. Everybody stayed calm. The kidnappers, not, they're not yelling. They're not threatening. They take 12 kids, and they put 12 of them into the white van that they drove there. How many total kids again? Are you tell me. 20, 26. Six, okay. And then they... Remember I said two kids, or one guy got in the, was driving the bus, the other guy was driving the white van. Okay. Apparently there was another van, because there's a third guy, and they put Ray and the other 14 kids into the second van. This one was a green van. Okay, yeah, there has to be a third guy. Who's going to play spoons in the van? No. (laughs) There was a partition between the driver's seat and all the, and you know, the back of the van. Yeah. And all the windows are sealed. They're all blacked out. It was super hot and super dark in those vans. Just imagine if you're, I mean, it's heartbreaking. To have those kids locked down. They must be already terrified. Exactly. So are they, I mean, I'm assuming they all have, they're all armed and they're, Uh okay. And their kids old enough to understand guns. Well, the older one. Sure, but yeah. I mean, we've got five and six and seven-year-olds on, yeah. van, on these vans too. But 
And we're going to be lucky if I can get through this without crying, well, guys. I, I, I think that's an unlikely <laughs> event. Some of the kids start to sing songs to cheer them up. Say they're doing something. I got from... three examples. Oh, okay. If you're happy and you know it. Happy not, okay. Sure. Even the five-year-olds know that song. Mm-hmm. This land is your land? That was very popular then. No, we got to think 76 now yeah. for the rest of these. Okay. Um, now it's too early for we don't need no education. How about uh, anything the of... from Houses of the Holy, Led Zeppelin? Boogie Fever. Boogie Fever. And get down tonight. Oh my! Wait, isn't that the same song? Maybe we'll play snippets for you guys. So the kids are, are singing early disco in 1976 <laughs> yes. while they're being kidnapped. These kids have some gumption. Yes, like I said, bus driver Ed Ray mm-hmm. was dependable, reliable, and always on time. So very wow. shortly after these kids did not get dropped off. And pass through their cornfields or yeah. whatever to get to their homes and say, Mom, I'm home. Where's my popsicle? Yeah. Their parents were getting worried. So parents knew immediately. And the, this is 76, so moms yeah. are probably home waiting for their kids to get home. Like literally within 15 minutes of your kid's not home, you're they were, worried. And they're, they call the police that quickly? Mm-hmm. So everybody starts calling. Everybody starts looking around. CBs are a big deal oh, yeah, in 1976, right. probably especially in the Central Valley of California. You know, let me explain what those were. <laughs> CBs were citizen band radio. They yep. were short. I don't know what they were, but truckers used them. Yes. And it, there was a time in the 70s where regular people started putting them in their cars and making ass of themselves and by you know having why? a handle. You know why? In the same way people make ass of themselves on TikTok and Twitter. But why, why, why did people like my father get a CB Mine radio? Too. Uh, the hit song Convoy. Convoy. Yeah. That <laughs> probably we'll was the reason, wasn't it? Maybe a of that, yeah. too. Huge song. Fun fact. Written by an advertising guy in New York City. Really? Who didn't know anything about trucking and convoys, ah, I'm sure. Music. People started driving all over the county. Can they, listeners, and just in case, just so you know, uh, Carrie and I are having cocktails right now. So this may degrade. <laughs> no, it's not. So, like I said, people started driving all over the county looking for the bus and the kids and Ed. By about 6.30, so this is about two and a half hours since anybody had seen the kids. Oh, my gosh. So mm-hmm. there should be lots of police. I mean, there's a big, you know, 20-some kids go missing. Oh, yeah. Two, oh, my God. Huge. The sheriff's department has an airplane oh. flying around looking for them. And then, actually, not too long after that, it just within a couple of hours, the Bus is found in the bamboo thicket by oh. a police sergeant. It's empty. There's zero clues. There's nothing in, left in the bus to go on. Could you imagine if you're one of those parents? Oh, my God. I'm going to cry again. I could not. So that night, all the, the kids' parents, they gather in public buildings, you know, just not knowing what to do. Also fun As a fact. group, like in church or something like that? I don't know what group. Okay. There were thunderstorms and the power went out. Oh, man. So that night, people are home. Everybody in Chowchilla knows about this. Everybody's got their kids at home. So literally, a a large chunk of Chowchilla's children Mm -hmm. are missing all in one fell swoop. And they have no idea. They find a bus that's just been hidden away. Mm -hmm. That's it. They have no 
you can even so guess like, at that point. Put yourself, we already know from your tease yes. something and what you've described, but they had yeah. absolutely no clue nope. what happened. They could just, they think they could all have been murdered in a field somewhere. Here's a couple quotes. There was great fear of a serial killer. Mm-hmm. People formed a search posse on horseback and they were just afraid they were going to find bodies. And that's exactly. I, I, I hate to say it, but that's the first yeah. thing. You, we, you wouldn't think mass kidnapping is so yep. far from possibility. That was, I think a, the person that said that, I think it was a nephew of Ed Ray, the school bus driver. Uh, okay. It's, this is just a state trooper's wife in 1976. She said, we thought it was UFOs and it seemed okay. like it had to be. No way it could be anything else. Uh, not. Because <laughs> it kind of was like they just vanished, okay, right? Okay, but. 27 people. Yeah, no, absolutely. Just disappeared into Incredible mystery. Maybe not UFOs, though. <laughs> not the oh, only possibility. I don't know. We kind of go to aliens quite often. Uh, yeah, okay. Yeah, you know what, though? You would think, though. Who was that? Who said that? A state trooper's wife. Okay, not, not, because a real parent of one of those kids would not think oh, that. Oh, absolutely not. No. That's, well, nonsense. I don't know, but I wouldn't. No, I wouldn't think that. I would think more likely radioactive Yeti. I would think possibly some kind of a um, children of the corn yeah. scenario, perhaps. I, mean, I don't know. I but, know there were children of the corn in the area. So but like possible. you said, Charles Manson had only been in prison for about five years. Zodiac Killer had yeah. been active and hadn't been caught. So I'm sure a, there were a lot of people fearing this is some kind of weird serial killer. And I'm going by memory here, but I believe the Zodiac Killer, in one of his letters in the early 70s, threatened to kill he but not in this is not kidnap but he says uh maybe one day i'm gonna go and just yeah. um open fire on a bunch of kids getting out of the bus and a bunch of school kids so i i think there was some serious consideration yeah. that 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 person was involved and he maybe did kill these kids. yeah i didn't really read anything about that but gerald ford was the president at the time he gave all law enforcement agencies basically a blank check mm. do what you need to do find these kids they, i'm assuming they brought the fbi in mm-hmm California's governor, Jerry Brown. <laughs> Why are you laughing? Just because okay. I like Jerry Brown, but he, he, so he was the governor in 1976. And Much then, younger than he's governor again. Yep. He decades became governor later, again. Yeah. One of the weirdest second acts in the history of politics. Yep. But basically he did the same thing. And of course, every white van in yeah. California spotted by somebody got called in. Wow. To the cops, same thing, you know, any random weird thing involving Windowless a kid. van. Mm-hmm. They did, luckily, though, they were able to capture 16 pedophiles in that sweep. So yeah. just because they're... Well, the FBI did come to town. And in fact, they booked every room in Chowchilla's two motels. <laughs> that hadn't burned down. Yeah. And then, obviously, like we said before, reporters, TV crews, everybody yeah. was there. I'm sure it was an absolute media circus. Yeah. You can see footage. There's some Sacramento history thing has a YouTube and shows video some coverage of it. And it's just, yeah, I didn't watch the whole thing, but it just looked like a lot of video, like a lot of it silent, even mm. video footage at the time. A lot of kids on bikes standing behind report, you know, go yeah. riding behind reporters and looking at the camera Wouldn't and stuff you? like that. But. Every cr- draws sure, crowds, yeah. of especially kids, any, any kind of event yeah. like that where people are gathering. Yep. And like you said, rumors. W- one rumor was revenge on the town by San Quentin inmite, inmates. I don't know why. What well, Chilla had he was to do. Australian. He was an inmate. And 
<laughs> it was said that he hated Chachilla. So what, there was somebody who just didn't I don't like know. Okay. International terrorists was one. Aliens. And then the Zodiac Killer, like yeah. we talked talked about <laughs> no one really thought aliens <laughs> I'm just, that, that one's but, but you know kidnapping did. or you know kidnapping ransom ransom wasn't like a forefront theory right away was it uh i mean it, it was hours and hours and there's no no demand or anything so you just wouldn't you wouldn't go there i wouldn't there think. was no demand so no you wouldn't yeah. think that because if somebody's gonna They're kidnap gonna, pretty quickly you'd yeah think. They were actually hoping, though, that yeah. that's what it was. Oh, for sure. The police did get a call around 7 o'clock that night from an anonymous woman who directed them to the quarry in Livermore. What? Yep. It said And said Livermore can become famous, but they didn't know who she was. That's weird. Later that night, the mayor, his name was Jim Dumas, his wife got a call from another anonymous anonymous woman who said the children will be found but there will be others it's not over hmm mm-hmm. are you gonna explain that later yeah okay good because I, I know I, well, I know i know the bare bones of this yeah. story but i don't know the details so about 100 miles away like we said those 26 kids and ed were still buried in that moving van sweating crying yeah Trying to breathe. With two hoses, that's not sufficient. Nope. And the police still have no idea why, no motive, and no ransom note. Well, what did they do when they heard about the Livermore Quarry? Did they go there and investigate? Uh-uh. Why I don't think not? so. Why would they? I mean, I... It, because it seemed like they they literally, the phone lines were jammed. Oh, so that's just They one were of getting many. hundreds of calls. Okay. God, I think so. All you douchebags, you fake psychics, who go call in and say, and, and you know, oh, there you'll be found near water and land, also, mm-hmm. and stop, you're evil, because yeah. this is what happens. They didn't get a ransom note because the kidnappers forgot to deliver one <sighs> and didn't know how to write. Mm-hmm. They did try to call, call in their ransom demand. But the phone lines were jammed. Oh my God. With a million people calling in. The sheriff's department had one phone line. Oh, well, normally that's enough. Yeah. Yeah. Not this day. And eventually they got, uh, you know, Pac Bell got involved or whatever. And they did, the, and when the FBI got involved, and I think they installed like 30 or 40 lines or something like that. But by then, yeah. <laughs> the kidnappers had given up. So they, they, they go to Livermore, drop them off in that quarry, and bury them at quarry, and then uh-huh. they go to wherever their base is and start making, trying to make phone calls to make mm-hmm. a ransom demand. Yep. Okay. And then they shit their pants and don't know what to do next. If I mail a ransom demand, hopefully it'll get there next day. Who are these kidnappers, you ask? I am asking that. So the ringleader of these wacky band of kidnappers is Frederick... Newhall Woods the Fourth. Jesus. He's 24 years old. He's described in some articles that I've read as a funny-looking kid with long gold hair and a goofy mustache. Honestly, he looks like a, a young man in the 70s. Yeah, but his they middle, were all goofy looking. If his middle me. name is Newhall. Yes. I, 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 the fourth. Okay, that's extra. But Newhall, that's just qualitatively yes. wrong. You'll learn a little bit about this guy. His middle name, Newhall, comes from Henry Mayo Newhall. Of the Mayo Clinic, 
are the person who invented mayonnaise. I don't know if it's Mayo Clinic, but Newhall is oh. an importante surname. Okay. There's some good there's some good um, international vibe going on here, Carrie. Importante <laughs> in might for our Australian <laughs> listeners. That's good. Well, Henry Mayo Newhall apparently came to California in 1850 with gold miners to strike it rich. Okay. And he did. Yeah. In land and railroad speculation, he formed the Newhall Land and Farming Company. Newhall Ranch. Which, Huge. Yep. Which his children incorporated in 1883. By 1976, the family was making $80 million a year mm. in 1976 money. Yeah, that's $4 billion a year. $370 million close. today. And they were ranching oil and land. Yeah. That's some big cash. So this this guy is from that family. Yes, that family. Henry Newhall's land became Santa Clarita in Valencia, California. And then the community of Newhall, which was named after this guy. That's north of Los Angeles for our listeners. Yep. Not my favorite place of Southern California. No, it's my favorite place (laughs) of Southern California. It's very hot, hot, very white. It's hot. So Fred's dad. Hot and white. Carrie's Carrie's not a fan of either one of those things. (laughs) No, I'm not. Fred's dad was Frederick Newhall Woods III. He owned a rather large estate in a wealthy Bay Area town. I never heard of it before doing this research. Portola Valley. It's kind of not, well, not San Jose, but kind of uh, Silicon Valley-esque, but out, but in the hills... Not as I mean, it's super high now. It's it's you know one of multi million dollar homes. One of the wealthiest cities in the entire yeah. country. I don't know if it's even really a city, but it's it's a uh, it's a designated area. You know, it's it's like a, I don't yeah. think it's incorporated. I looked it Maybe up. Maybe it is. I don't know. Real estate is in the multi millions. Yeah. Now it's I'm sure it's you know tech bros at D bags. Yeah. Their estate had a name, so you know it's. One of those called the Hawthorns. Anybody can name. We're going to name our house right now. We'll call our house <laughs> Kevin. And boom, sounds rich, doesn't no. it? No. Okay. Whatever. 79 acres. That's nice. That's large. In Portola Valley. Yes. <laughs> We've been worth hundreds, of, literally, we're worth mm-hmm. tens of millions of dollars. Now. Fred lived there with his dad, Fred, and his mom, Frances, and uh, Fred's mom which would have been our Fred's grandma. She was lucky to live in a cottage on the property. Okay. But she did have a nurse 24-7. A 6,000-square-foot cottage. Mm-hmm. Our, our Fred the Fourth, he lived in an apartment garage around the back. Okay. He's 24. The way the wealth of Portola Valley was characterized in an article that I read as fuck you money. Okay. That's a weird way to say it. And okay. today, well, because you got so much money, you can say, fuck you. I... No, I know what it means. Okay. But... <laughs> just, <laughs> Let me explain this yeah, to you, Dean. <laughs> I mean, it's a wealthy area. Okay. So this is... So all wealthy areas are fuck you money. Okay. Well, this is wealthier Lower than, than most. Fuck you money. Anyway, Fred Newhall Woods Fourth. he watched the movie Dirty Harry. Oh, that's never a good thing. With my pal, Clint Eastwood. Big fan of Clint Eastwood. Just, mostly for that movie about a Camaro, but yeah. Just kidding. I hate Clint Eastwood. We know. We, 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 
everyone listening can probably figure that out. In Dirty Harry, a guy happened to hijack a school bus in the <gasps> Bay Area. Oh, my God. I believe San Francisco. You know, I did see that movie. Mm-hmm. I did not realize that was connected. And he asked for a ransom and a flight out of Santa Rosa before fleeing to a quarry and holding a kid at gunpoint. What the hell? Yep. So Clint Eastwood caused these children Probably. in Chowchilla to be kidnapped and terrorized. I think so. Okay. Well, good job, Clint. Thanks a lot, bro. Mm-hmm. Fred's kind of a loner. He's lazy, doesn't apply himself at school, doesn't talk to girls much. Although at one point he was married for a few months. Before this? Uh, Probably. Well, yeah. (laughs) Probably going to have to be. But Fred did have one thing going for him. Uh, Yeah, that was he had a family of millionaires. A trust fund. Yeah, okay. That maybe was worth around $100 million, something like that. Oh, my Lord. In, yeah. in the 19th, oh my God. Mm-hmm. So he was not bad. rich. And apparently he had an institutionalized sister that he had to share it with, mm. but that he didn't acknowledge. <laughs> was this the Kennedys? I don't, it sounds very similar, doesn't it? That's all we know about this sister. That's it. Really? She was, she was a little erratic and boisterous. Hey, I put her in this home. <laughs> God damn it. I know. I Hysterectomy and a lobotomy. Yeah, I was going to say. Um, but Fred loved cars. Man, Fred loved cars. He had some number over 50 Jesus. on his parents' estate. A lot of them were junkers, but probably a lot of them were not. Yeah. He loved his cars so much, he carried pictures of them in his wallet. Mm. But for some reason, he'd also, for fun, shoot out the windows with guns. Okay. This Weird. is a stable person who mm-hmm. I don't think should anybody should have. There's no red flags here. But his entire life and reason for being is buying, selling, and repairing old cars. Which, you know, he really could have turned into something worthwhile. Yeah. But, as we said before, Fred is kind of lazy. So rather than doing that, he decided to kidnap children. Mm -hmm. Life choices. His little buying, selling, and repairing cars, his little business that he's got with his friend, James Schoenfeld. James We'll call him Jim. Jim He's also 24. He is the son of a wealthy Atherton podiatrist. Oh, my God. Atherton is another little... Very well-affluent. Bay area. area. Mm-hmm. Same area. Also, I mean, very affluent then, but now nothing. You, you have yeah. to be a multi 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 millionaire to even think about living there. Well, Jim's dad is a podiatrist, so he probably doesn't have the fuck you money that... No, the, it wasn't as like it is now in the are, you know tech era. Yeah. And they also allowed James' little brother, Rick, to kind of hang out with them. He's 22. And they all kind of hang out at Fred's house. Fred has another friend named David Boston. David is a film major at San Jose State. And Fred and David started a little partnership in 1972 called Townhouse Enterprises. A little film enterprise. (laughs) And their idea is that Fred will flip cars, you know, buy junkers, Uh, fix them up, sell them. And then use the riches, yep, to finance film student David's. To make movies. Little film projects. Okay, Mm -hmm. what kind of movies does he make? They're going to be producers. Okay. They got big dreams. 
Snuff no films idea. are no idea. Nature movies. This is in the seventies. So Fred writes a letter Porn. to his friend David because you know he's all the way in San Jose. <laughs> yeah, a letter, a letter, a letter. Right. He thinks he's got a great idea and it would make a good movie. Dear David, uh huh. This idea Fred comes up with after watching Dirty Harry. Okay. And he wants to come up with the perfect crime heisty kind of movie of his own. Here's my idea. He just lays out the plot of Dirty mm-hmm. Harry. Okay. So he starts talking about this big idea with. Jim and Rick, while they're working on cars, this is how the great Chowchilla school bus kidnapping is hatched. So they're talking about doing it themselves. Why do they mm-hmm. need to do it themselves to make to make a movie? We're, I mean, they need money. Oh, they're all wealthy. Okay, but Fred but doesn't thought, have access okay. to his hundred million dollar trust fund, and the other kids are, you know. So, so the I see. I thought the movie was something to do with. Was the kidnapping? You know, the, or the or the movie is going to be about that? No. Well, they think it would make a good movie. Okay. And Fred is well, taking like life imitating art, imitating Correct. life. I don't know. It's confusing. Yeah. Something like that. Yep. Art imitating life, imitating art. Sure. Basically. I'll take your word for it because I'm lost. But Fred is very serious about all of this. He thinks he's a genius. I'm sure. <laughs> of course he does. He's right. And he thinks if he comes up with a good enough heist. He can fund the movie with Townhouse yeah. Enterprises, and the movie they make, he'll make twice as much money oh, sure. from the movie as he has to put into it from the cash he gets from his heist. Yeah, that's just math. There's no question. This is flawless. <laughs> so Fred's the leader. Yeah. And okay. boy, that's is he good. a good one. Jim is the planner. I'm guessing there's a lot of weed in this. I'm guessing there is, too. And Jim is the planner because he likes to write things down. He's oh, okay. got notebooks. Okay, that's good. He's literate. He's got notebooks and he keeps a diary. You even. plan. You uh-huh. can write things. You write symbols on paper that mean things. Yep. Me no understand those things. And Rick is just kind of there. Rick's just along for by. the ride that's uh-huh. going to eventually take him, to, I'm assuming, to prison. And they all want money and they all want cars. They want better cars <laughs> than they have. What? They left out a key, a key part of this. All of Shh. their wealthy friends have better cars than they do. Yeah, okay, money, cars. What's the third part, Carrie? Chicks, drugs, baby. Oh. Yeah, we got drugs, <laughs> sure. But chicks. You got to have money, cars, and chicks. Because money and cars, you know what money and cars get? Chicks. They need a lot of money. And who's got a lot of money? Chowchilla? In 1976. Parents? No, that doesn't make any sense. Not Chowchilla. Uh, wait, hold on. Don't, don't, uh, who's got a lot of money in 1976? I'm going to go with um, the Hearst family? No, who? They could kidnap a, like a billionaire's kid. Like a billionaire, kid. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They weren't getting billionaires. But that's a little bit difficult. Okay. No. Yeah, you're right. Who else has money? Who else has <gasps> gobs of money? Uh, the government? The government. No way. I got it right. Apparently, because Jerry Brown is the governor now, uh-huh. but who was the governor before Jerry Brown? Ronald Reagan. Ronald Reagan. What did Ronald Reagan do? Put all the insane people on the streets. That too. 1974, a couple years before this. Said trees cost smog. What else? <laughs> Literally said trees cost smog. Yeah, we've had some good governors in okay. California. Ronald Reagan announced... That California had a five billion dollar budget uh, surplus. It turns out that was not true, by the way. So these guys figured California's 
rolling in oh the dough. Oh, my God. They got the money. That was their thought process. California has money. Mm-hmm. We'll kidnap a bunch of kids and ask California to give us money. Yes, because everybody cares about kids, right? That's fair. Yep. They want. And what's the government's job? To keep the kids safe. Rents. Okay. The schools, right? Their go number one job. Yeah, you're right. Don't let the kids die. Okay. When they go to school. <laughs> That's a good slogan for a campaign right there. <laughs> I won't let the kids die. Uh-huh. They figured California's got more money than they need, right? They got a $5 billion budget surplus, according to um, right. that really smart actor guy that we, not we, <laughs> okay. I was not around right. at the time. All right. And I know for a fact my you mom. you get a little salty now, Carrie. My mom did not vote for him. She hated him. Yes. Yeah. It's a, it's a communist. So Jim... No, she was a school teacher. Okay, same thing. And he came to, I think he was running for governor or whatever, and he came to speak to a teacher's union meeting or whatever, and my mom thought he was the biggest idiot on and the she planet. She kicked him so, right in the nuts. Well, no, she didn't do that. I can't imagine her. So anyway, that. Jim, the guy who liked to write in notebooks and yes, stuff. Yes, okay. The planner, the yep. literate guy. He said, they won't miss $5 million, right? <laughs> well, what? Do you think they're going to get the ransom on the down low? Like no one's going to, I mean... And he thought, how can I get this money? How can I get all this money to solve all of my problems? The only thing I could think of was a kidnapping. <laughs> sure, that's what I think of. Uh, but they knew they wanted millions, multiple millions. So they would have to have multiple victims, right? Or, well, he said a rich, a super rich kid, but yeah, you're right. Yeah, they decided against that. Okay. They knew that wasn't it's a good idea. It's easier to kidnap 26 children <laughs> than well, one rich kid. Well, but they thought, you know, school's jobs in, you know, was to Not, keep kids safe. Okay. Any, okay. They would do, you know, people would do anything for kids. You know, I, it's in a horrific way. There is a logic behind that. There is a logic behind them, and they figured that, you know, the state of California would pay that ransom, no problemo. So, and they also figured they they needed at least a million dollars to fund this Dirty Harry Light movie they were going to make with uh, their best friend David. So they figured something like a bank robbery or a drug deal, they wouldn't be able to make enough millions, right? Yeah, Doing something like yeah, that. Yeah, that's true. That's true. That's fair. Yep. Did they, have, did they cast the movie at all? Was it no. was David Soul? We didn't get that no, far. I'm assuming no, because I thought <laughs> I think I you know. So you ask, why do these rich kids? These are three rich kids. Yeah. Why do they need to commit crimes to get money? Well, well they didn't have a lot of cash. Obviously, Fred didn't have access to his hundred million dollar dr- trust fund, and they had already borrowed a lot of money from their parents uh, for their various business ventures. And All failures. Pretty much. And they wanted their own freedom and they wanted some respect. And, you know, these are kids from Atherton and Portola Valley. All of their friends and their friends' parents have more than they do and most importantly have cooler cars than they do. Yeah. They want Ferraris. Oh, they want some Ferrari. Okay. They need $5 million so they can all buy so Ferraris. So a critical point of this is to get Ferraris. Correct. Okay. From and James- they, no one would notice that they suddenly have Ferraris, oh. that all of them suddenly have Ferraris after there's this big kidnapping in which $5 million <laughs> is paid. Okay. They weren't thinking that far ahead. Okay. Jim wrote a bunch of stuff down in his notebook. That's his job, Gary. That's, mm-hmm. that's what he does. Here's what they're going to need. A bus. <laughs> oh, I thought I was going with Ferraris, but okay. A plane. 
and a plane? Three, yes. And three vans because, you know, they got to escape afterwards. A plane. Okay. They needed one van to get Fred and Rick to Chowchilla for the bus hijacking. Two more at a hidden location to transport the kids from the bus to the quarry. Okay, so far so good. Uh Uh-huh. Rick and Fred were going to board the bus, which they did. Rick would disable the driver with chloroform, which they didn't end up doing. No, that's much harder than than the movies make it look like. And then Fred would drive the bus to the hidden location where Fred would keep an eye on the bus. Rick would escort the kids two by two to the vans where Jim would be waiting and they would watch for the kids who might make a run for it. And, Into the cornfield. And then count the kids, exclamation point. Oh, I see. So in case if one escapes, yeah, <laughs> yeah. their plan is in yep. trouble. And then they needed to conceal the kids, hide the vans, go somewhere else to collect the money. From there, Rick was supposed to get a plane to take James to a small uncontrolled airport like Lodi. We know what happens in our Lodi airport. No. Lots Do of skydiving. Okay. Don't like it. They skydive. They they like float over the freeway and it makes you dangerous. nervous. Does it it makes me you very okay. nervous. Okay. Right. Uh, yeah, a young woman just died not that long Did ago. Did she? Okay, yes, because she landed on a truck on the freeway. What? Yes. Well, that's a terrible idea. Okay, so Let's uncontrolled talk more of this low skydiving. <laughs> I know. There, they'll meet Fred, who will hijack the plane. I feel like they're leaving some big parts to just sort of, and then stuff happens. Yep. Because <laughs> for their escape, they're going to have to hijack a plane. Okay. And then Rick and Fred load the dummies into the plane with parachutes. The Wait. And an extra parachute, of course, a la <gasps> D.B. Cooper. D.B. Cooper. Good thinking. Mm-hmm. Dummies, no idea. No idea. So, so they're going to pretend they're what? Um, so they're going to pretend the kids were in the plane with them. No. No, no, no. no. This the, is all afterwards. This oh, is their okay. escape. This so is the dummies their are escape. them. I think so. I think they were like Parachute. maybe going to fake their so like, deaths. Oh, look. So, or, or, yeah. not, or, or look, we'll search for them in the forest over whatever, Nevada, mm-hmm. whatever, a la D.B. Cooper. Mm-hmm. And they actually, are, in truth, are flying to Tahiti, whatever, yep. on their on their hijacked plane. Yep. Okay. Jim was going to take possession of the money. Jim is critical to uh-huh. this. Okay. A state-employed secretary will be employed to bring the money in three brown paper parcels and instructed to... Nobody knows. That was it. They didn't finish it. Oh, okay. So literally it ends on... (laughs) Okay. Well, that's weird. So uh, another part of Jim's notebook had these other details of stuff that they had to remember. They had to remember to burn the book. <laughs> Jim's notebook. He did not. They forgot to burn the book. He's to, doodling shit. He's doing like a peachy folder from the seventies. <laughs> to get infrared to see at night. They didn't no, get that. No, 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 no. They did not. This is key. To get a vote for Reagan <laughs> sticker spelled R-E-G-A-N. They needed the bumper sticker to put on the vans because they thought it would make them more anonymous. Uh, People wouldn't think are like more like less likely for a cop to pull them over. Sure, I bet you. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Some other things they were supposed to ask for used bills, mm-hmm. and then not to spend any of the money for seven years. Seven years. How are they going to make their movie if they that's can't a, spend the money for seven years or buy See, a Ferrari? DB Cooper is the thing where yeah, like some they always looked for the money, and the treasurer is always looking for the money. So it's not a bad yeah. idea. Yeah. But 
Seven years is a long time before you make your movie. Yes. They were also going to get an x-ray truck with gas masks and lead vests. I don't feel like an x-ray truck is a thing. I don't either. Uh, a microwave oven to foul bugging devices. Or just have some burritos. And melt all plastic. Maybe some nachos, you know, some American cheese on chips. Does it melt all the way? No, but it's still pretty good. <laughs> and my favorite? To quote... Pick up the money using an illusion like magic. So this is, uh, now you see it? I, I like a David Jesse Copperfield Eisenberg kind of kind thing. Of a, okay. I'm not sure. Nobody knows. And also, they didn't learn the magic. I so. need to know what the hell that meant. Mm-hmm. They learned David Blaine You're going to have to magic. give them a call. Okay. No idea. So this, I mean, they were planning this a year in advance. And in the fall of 1975, Fred, James, and Rick in Portola Valley, they're like shooting out cars, figuring out what else they need to do. They have plenty of guns. Yeah, that's... They had a ton of guns. America. Mm Mm-hmm. They bought three surplus shore patrol vans in Alameda, and they moved them to a warehouse in San Jose. So they spent more money on this scheme than they were ever going to make from it. Well, they bought vans, they bought guns, they bought yeah. Oh, okay. Yep. Fred's dad happened to own the quarry in Livermore, oh, really? which is fortuitous. Oh. Yes. Okay. So they went to Fred's dad's quarry and they buried they the a moving van. Yeah. So they they, they that's a significant amount of work. Yeah. It's a humongous. They hole. had to cut a yeah, yeah. A cut. Dig a huge hole. Yep. Damn, not, I know. Need a backhoe for that. And how did somebody not see them doing that? I, well, it's pretty lonely out there. You've been there. I've been there. No, there. but I mean, people are working at this quarry. It's a working concern. It was still concern. working there, right? Yeah. 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 Huh. But anyway, so they, they bury the van. They cut holes for the vents and holes for the toilets. They reinforced the ceiling with lumber so that it wouldn't collapse. They weren't really looking to kill any kids. Mm-hmm. And so by December 1975, they figure they're ready to go. They figure they're going to get $5 million in ransom. They want it delivered to a drop site in the Santa Cruz Mountains. Ed Bates, who I have not talked about before, no. he, he is the sheriff of Chowchilla. Okay. He actually says this one part of their plan is actually pretty clever. That they going to drive up the coast to someplace heavily wooded and then back inland and they were going to say we want airplanes to patrol for 200 miles up and down the coast until they see a certain series of lights indicating where the drop site is uh, for the ransom and, money. And, and airplane would have to drop the money. And then wow. And then the airplane would have to drop the money when they saw the lights. And Hmm. So you got 200 miles of, of rugged coast. That's very inaccessible, by the yep. way. And so they, they would, the kidnappers would get the money and then they would leave. So by the time the authorities yeah. could get somebody there, they would be gone. Uh, the only problem with that is that there are very, very limited ways out of there going from west to east. And you get blocked those two roads. Or th- even along 200 miles. There's but it's 200 miles. You can't it, literally stake out. It's, it's less than Fully you 200 miles. There, there I don't are few, know. There are very few roads coming out to and from the, Cal- the northern California coast. I've never been to the Santa Cruz Mountains. But anyway... Somebody thought it was clever. 
It is no, it's it's as as clever as you can do under the circumstances sure. for sure. But of course, since the kidnappers uh, forgot to actually write out a finished ransom note, oh, that's and that's key. Se- actually, yeah, send it, yeah, yeah, yeah. and they couldn't With get all a these phone plants. call in that. <laughs> It never actually happened. They actually buy an x-ray machine from a Navy surplus disposal station in Alameda just in case the ransom money is bugged. And they made homemade bulletproof vests with scrap metal. I would not trust that, but... Yeah. Fred also rented a trailer. Fred rented a trailer in Reno to be their little safe house. And he got a passport just for himself under a fake name. Oh, Fred. Ralph Snyder. Fred's going to ditch. I feel like Fred was so ready to ditch these guys with the money. So as we said earlier, the police sergeant found the school bus and it was empty. And we also talked about how there were news reporters all over Chowchilla. One of them, you know, when they found the empty school bus, even though good old bus driver Ed Ray was a man of integrity. Everybody trusted him. He was well-loved and well-liked in Chowchilla. Some stupid reporter started asking questions about whether mm. good old Ray, could he be involved in this crime? Nobody in town in Chowchilla could believe that Ed had any part in this. They thought Ed was, was as much a victim as the 26 children were. Yeah, that's outrageous. And Odessa, mm-hmm. Ed's sure. wife, was pissed. I don't blame her. I'm on Odessa's side. Me too. I mean, I, I, he's just a normal guy wearing a banana hammock, farming, <laughs> driving kids to, on school bus, and people should stop backing on it. Cut to Livermore. Okay. The quarry, Ed and the kids, at this point... They have been underground in the dark for 15 hours. That is nightmarish. They're half naked. They're hot as heck, sweating, crying, exhausted, trying to sleep. And I'm pretty sure Ed and the older kids are doing their best to help with the younger kids. I mean, we're not focusing on it, yeah. but if you want to, you could read stories and I'm sure listen to podcasts and yeah. stuff where... Have those? Have these, they talked about it? Have they talked about their experience yeah. as kids? Yeah, and okay. going to cry again. No, don't. I mean, it'd be... But seriously, it'd these... Be nightmarish, yeah. yeah. Yes. So anyway. They okay. don't know. I mean, they don't know. They, you probably think that you, you're going to suffocate in there because I'm sure it's yeah. getting increasingly hard to breathe. The oxygen is... is and they're, they don't know. Uh-huh. They don't trust. They don't... You can't trust these people to really come back. Yeah. And, and they're doing things to kind of help the younger kids to not, don't cry. Yeah. Don't, because they don't want to use up their oxygen and they're trying to keep everybody as calm as possible. Like right now, me with you. Yes. So you're going to use up our oxygen. I know. With you. Okay. So Ed and two of the older boys, a 14 year old, Mike Marshall, and quote, older boy, 10 year old. Mm-hmm. This fucking kills me. Robert Gonzalez, the three of them, has spent about five hours stacking mattresses on top of each other because they got to kind of get to the ceiling so they can yeah. try oh, to get out of there. I see. Well, okay. Did we establish that, that it was just, it was literally just a truck top on our, or yeah. was it buried? 
No, they're buried. But I mean, is there five feet of dirt on I don't, top of the truck? Yeah, I don't, I don't think there know is. how many feet of dirt, but okay. But like I said earlier, Ed notices the the ceiling is bowed and the okay. walls are bowed, so there is weight. There so is some dirt. Yes, layer of dirt. Okay, correct. And over the opening, they weighted it down with hundreds of pounds of truck mm-hmm, batteries. Mm-hmm. So, 14-year-old Mike Marshall, 10-year-old Robert Gonzalez, and 55-year-old Ed Ray, they spent about five hours stacking mattresses on top of each other and trying to, re- like, budge the metal plate. Uh-huh. And so they can push the... They don't even know... I don't think they even know what it is, but it's tractor batteries. Okay. And they weigh hundreds of pounds, trying to budge them so they can get through the opening on top. Ed's worried. He doesn't know. Are the kidnappers up there? Can I ask a dumb question? Yeah. It, the truck is buried into the side of something. So, the, so the you know, trucks open in the back of the truck. It's a moving van, but yeah. Yeah, well, same thing. Sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. The moving van. They open the back. So the ceiling is the top of that. It's solid. There's no opening in the ceiling. So I'm confused. But what... they must have cut a hole in it. Okay, I guess. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, oh, I see. So they went through the, the top, top down. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. I thought they went through Mm-mm. the back of it effectively, and the whole truck was like, like almost think of a side of a hill. Yeah. So it's not. They dug a hole and dropped a moving van into it. Yes. And then dug and cut a hole in the top of the moving yeah. van ceiling effectively. Okay. Yeah. Nothing talked about them cutting the hole, but clearly that's what they did because mm-hmm. they had a ladder, remember? Mm-hmm. And they had to. Lower them okay, into the... my bad. So, like I said, Ed's, Ed and the older boys are trying to get through the opening on the top. But like I said, Ed's worried that the kidnappers are up yeah, there. Yeah. They've got guns. He doesn't know what's going to happen, but they've got to try this. Yeah. They don't really have a choice. They decide to remove the wooden slats from the bed springs on the mattresses to try to pry open you know, the opening at the top takes them a couple hours and they're sweaty and hot and honestly these boys are flipping heroes so eventually they're able to just like budget just like an inch maybe teeny tiny bit they can finally budge that steel plate and they just see like a little bit of the sky is and it still, uh, how long has it been? Is it, still, is it daylight? 15 hours. No, it's so, dark. Yeah, it's still dark. Okay. Mike sees the, the plate budge a little bit. Maybe like, he said like a half an inch. He could see like a little bit of, like a thin blue light coming through. And then sky and stars. Mm-hmm. It's around 8 p.m. Okay. On July 16th now, Ed in his underwear. <laughs> They get out. They're able to budget and move the batteries. Don't know how they move the batteries, yeah. but they probably use maybe the wooden slats or something. Yeah, some kind of. Okay. So there a they lever. are, all in their underwear. They all get out of there, and Ed leads the children down this dirt road to a nearby grain elevator. There happens to be a quarry employee who's just finishing up a welding job. And he sees these kids in the distance, and he pushes an alarm button because he thinks it's trespassers. He doesn't have any idea. (laughs) 26 children. Well, he he did not pay attention to the the news. Well, he did did know about it. Okay. And so Ed 
the bus driver runs over there and he says, we're the ones from Chowchilla. Oh, so he's assumed it's a big story. Oh, yeah. He's, yeah. Yep. He's right. And so the guy knew about it and he gave Ed a Pepsi and some coveralls. Oh, my God. This guy is also a hero. And then Ed and the... So obviously they call the authorities. They come and get them. Ed and the kids are taken to the Santa Rosa Correctional Institution... Sounds like a jail or a prison. And they're given food, new clothes, and they're kind of, you know, given like a little medical checkup to make sure everybody's okay. Four hours later, four o'clock in the morning, I'm tired just talking about it. They're all put onto a Greyhound bus and they're taken back to Chowchilla. They pull into the Chowchilla police station. Everybody's there waiting for them. And you can see video of this online. Everybody's <laughs> cheering. And there's lots of media there. <laughs> okay. So silly. <laughs> so anyway, everybody, they all come out of the bus. Ed comes out last. And his wife, like I said, she's, she's flipping pissed off. Odessa, the bank teller, (laughs) she's mad that anybody ever suggested that her husband had anything to do with this. And she tells the press there, because, of course, everybody wants to talk to them. And she says that Ed will, I don't even even know how much she talked to Ed before this, but she says, Ed will talk to you. He'll tell you his story (laughs) on one condition. You can't ask any questions. And in my mind, she called them motherfuckers. Uh, She probably did. I'm thinking Odessa probably said that. And they literally have no choice, right? Yeah. So they agree to it. So, (laughs) and you can see Ed telling his story. Like, what a wonderful little man he is. He tells his, he tells the story and Mm -hmm. plain old little Ed way of talking. Okay. (laughs) And so, of course, when all this is happening, the mayor... Mayor Dumas is already thinking and making plans for Ed, Ray, and Children's Day there in Chowchilla. And they're going to have a parade and lots of barbecue beef. Okay. (sighs) Kids love barbecue beef. Yes. So. (laughs) So, back to the kidnappers. That night, they... Bury the, the kids and the and the bus driver. They literally don't want anybody to die because they want their five million dollars. They go back to Portola Valley. They go back to Fred's house. And I don't know, do they get high? I don't know. Probably. They're flipping idiots. They already forgot. They forgot to leave a ransom note. Like I said, they did try to call, but all the phone lines are jammed, so they can't get through. I don't. And we talked about the woman who, two mysterious women. Yeah. No idea. Well, that. They don't have a woman involved with them. They have to have known. One of them told a girlfriend or something like that. Something. I don't know. They never, never, they probably never admit it to this day because. Never found out who she was. They're a snitch, quote Uh unquote. But one of them told the told the girlfriend, talked about it. Remember, they planned this for a year. Girlfriends, nobody knows. Eh, Uh, Yeah, they planned it for a year. So somebody told somebody. But also, and then when it actually happened, they thought, "Oh shit!" My boyfriend was talking about my boyfriend Jim, whatever was talking about doing that. So they called in a tip. 
I don't know. The one talking about the quarry, clearly. A quarry in Livermore, yes. No question. That person knew about it. But the other one? There will what was be the other more one saying? What saying they? there will be more. That that's just stupid. Yeah. That's just that's meaningless. <clears throat> that one, but the quarry, yeah, yeah that, that person one was knew what was happening. I have never read anywhere saying who huh. who anybody thinks she was. I wonder if the two things. One, it could have been a like one of the four told their person, and they're not going to admit it because they yeah. feel you know dumb or feel like a snitch. Or two. It was someone who who the authorities are keeping that person's identity secret. Maybe, but now? Sure. So many years later? You know, who's asking anymore? Who knows who she, you know what I mean? But back then, they kept her identity a secret. It's not written down anywhere. They just kept, yeah. kept it a secret. I don't know. People go back to Chowchilla all the time and ask people about this and talk about it. I don't know. My don't guess know. Is, is somebody's, is, one, is a girlfriend yeah. of one of the kidnappers. Yeah. So... There they are, these master criminals. They have the news on and the radio on. They yeah. hear that, oh, the kids escaped. It's over, yeah. Like I said, they probably shit their pants. They knew they needed to get the heck out of Dodge. So Jim and Fred decide to take off to the trailer in Reno, mm-hmm. and their plan is to escape to Canada. But uh, little Rick, J- Jim's little brother, he goes home. He's just going to turn himself in. He knows really? he's not a master criminal. He well, can't stand the heat. Well, they they had they had uh, nylons on. Yeah. Why, why do they assume they they'd be easily identified as the kidnappers? I I don't know that they do. Well, because they should figure out that they're going to trace the quarry back to Fred because his father owns that quarry. It, he does, but okay, so, uh, you could bluff that out. Like I don't know, some these monsters chose my my uh, quarry. Sure. I mean, yeah. Okay. I don't know. But let's see. But like I said, Rick doesn't can't handle it. He okay. knows he's going to turn himself in. He basically confesses to his dad, who does what you know a rich dad does. Hires lawyers and says he had affluenza. Yep. Okay. Call a lawyer. Thanks, assholes. <laughs> By the nineteenth of July. The cops had traced the van mm. to Fred. So Sheriff Bates puts out an APB on the van. The FBI says, "Oh no, 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 we don't do that. We, you know, we got to keep it quiet so that you know they do their little stuff on the sly and everything." Sheriff Bates says, "No, that's not how I'm going to do it. I'm going to put an APB out on it. We're going to say what we're looking for." And so they find it by July 22nd. Fred Newhall Woods the Fourth is officially a suspect because mm. they trace the van to back him. to him. Okay, and then obviously the quarry, and it's there's tons of evidence. Yeah, I it's suppose not that. hard. The quarry, yes. No, no, the quarry. I say no. The vans, yes. Yeah, because he bought those van surplus, right? So they can trace the purchase of those vans to yes. Frederick. Okay, and once they do that, yeah. the quarry is owned by who? For sure, oh, those yeah. two things connect. Uh-huh. Yes, but if all they have is the quarry, that's not nothing. That's not much at all. True. And it was noted at the time that Fred was arrested along with Jim and Rick Schoenfeld in two years earlier in 1974 for joyriding. Uh. The the Hawthorns, the Woods 79 acre estate, is raided with search mm. warrants and reporters and everybody's there. And so the dad, Fred the third, is there. And, you know, they talk to him. Here's what he say. I can't say if I have one son or ten sons. The fuck what does the that fu- mean? Exactly. 
I don't fucking know. Uh, but obviously, you did something wrong, Fred the Third, right? If this, I mean, you know, I don't. We're not the best parents in the world, but our, our, our kids aren't plotting any kidnapping that we know of. Mm-hmm. I, I I could see it. Yeah, I can say for I sure. Be shocked. I know where all my children are at this hour, and Do none you? of them are. Yeah. Okay. By the twenty third of July, they found Jim's notebooks with the undelivered ransom note. It was not the most intelligent piece of literature ever written. It had lots of words crossed out, and it looked like it had been written in about thirty seconds. It says, "You're like you are." Bus has been kidnapped. Your bus has been kidnapped. Carrie's most angry about the grammar. (laughs) It also claims that they're members of some satanic group called Beelzebub. Also misspelled. And it mentions Fred by name. Not a smart thing to do. In fairness to them, Beelzebub is a hard word to spell. (laughs) It's not. It's not easy. Of course, they went to the satanic. How many things have been blamed on Satanists, which don't exist uh, yeah. in any real sense? Well, aren't we just beginning with the satanic panic at this point, too? I, so, I, yeah. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Mm-hmm. Everybody knows now who they're searching for Fred Woods IV and Jim and Rick Schoenfeld. The next day, Rick Schoenfeld just can't stand the heat. He's riddled with guilt. None of these bitches can stand any heat. He's already confessed to his father. He surrendered in Oakland with his dad and his lawyer present. Of course. And after the kids had escaped, Fred and Jim, like I said, had driven to the safe house, which was a trailer in Mm -hmm. Reno. Mm -hmm. And then Fred, using his fake, what's his name, Snyder passport, he flew to Vancouver, leaving... Jim behind because he didn't have a fake passport. I always knew Fred was going to do that. Uh huh. And Jim was kind of scrambling. He didn't know what to do. So he went to Coeur d'Alene, Idaho because it's close to a border crossing. On the founded the Idaho Clue Clutch. Yeah. Well, on the 18th, he tried to get into Canada, but he was turned away by Border Patrol because he was too nervous. (laughs) And of course, his car was full of guns. Okay. He went wow. back. Yes. He went back to Cordeline and he just was super tired, didn't know what to do. He drove to Spokane, Washington to sell the guns at a sporting goods store, which he did. Then he tried again to enter Canada. He was and refused. The first thing he said was, Hey, I don't have as many guns anymore. <laughs> well, this time, because. Two pistols were left in the center console and two <laughs> rifles were in the trunk, supposedly left by Fred, that Jim had somehow missed. No, you can't not see when guns he was in your looking console. For guns. God damn it, Jim. <laughs> to get Fred. rid of. Jesus. So Jim goes back to Cordeline to get rid of the guns, to sell the guns to somebody. Jim finally decides. The jig is up. I can't do this anymore. He decides to go home. He's going to turn himself in. But of course, good old Sheriff Bates has put out an APB on his license plate. So he's pulled over in Atherton, which is close to home, right? Yeah. 
Fred got to Vancouver at 6 o'clock the Saturday after the kids had escaped, and he checked into the St. Francis Hotel, paid in advance, and asked the hotel manager if he could get some work. Of course, this is... Does he think Canada's Brazil? Because I they will extradite your ass. <laughs> so while he's there, he's just kind of done to have a lot to do. He's just kind of hanging out. He decides to write a letter mm. to his old film student pal, screenwriter friend David, tells him that, you know, this whole little caper that he's involved in would make a really good movie of the week, if it, not like a full-on feature film, right? 100% would. Quote, my ending is not exciting enough, mm. so you might have to kill some people or something. If you do make it into a film, all I want is a percentage of it. Okay. You make it up, I don't care how much, but be fair. F-A-R-E, fair. They have... A spelling problem there. <laughs> Again, I feel like you're fixing it on the grammar <laughs> as opposed to, you know, the crime. Well, on Friday, there was an FBI tip-off. Plainclothes officers of the RCMP. Royal Canadian Mounted Police. They all normally dress in uh, the hats, <laughs> the, red suits, the red and then they ride, I, I believe buttons. they ride either horses or moose. <laughs> moose. Well, they staked out the main Vancouver post office because they knew Fred had been sending letters under the name Richard mm. Snyder. So they, they staked out that post office. They waited and waited. And finally, they sprang into action and they caught two German students. <laughs> Not Fred. They started their little stakeout again. Eventually, they saw Fred, who came in to check his mail. He didn't get any mail. Nobody was sending him anything. And then when he turned around to leave... Mounties. He walked right into the RCMP. Bold Dudley Dewey. Two guys on mooses. Yep. With handcuffs. All three were in a jail in Chowchilla. What do you think the, the good folk of Chowchilla were doing? Lynched them? Well, they were thinking about it. Really? Yep. They formed a little group. They appointed one guy, their little spokesperson. That little guy. Nobody will ever know his name. That little guy, okay. Went to the sheriff, Ed Bates. Let, him, let, us, let us open the ga- open the prison door said, or walk well, away. They went and talked to Ed Bates and they said, what would you do if some of us came into your jail and took those three guys out and hung them? Wow. This it's is 1976. Like, you don't play your hand. You just, why? Yeah. why? You, don't, you don't tip them off, right, before you do it. So you're trying no, to help Lynch. absolutely okay. not because I'm even against like the death it. penalty. Okay. Sheriff Ed Bates said, um, I will shoot you in the face. To his credit, said, I'm sorry, I'd have to kill you. <laughs> Nobody's taking these prisoners out of this jail except by lawful authority. Good for Ed. Good for Ed. He's a, he's a cowboy sheriff. He was. <laughs> I, okay, I believe you. Boots but... and hat and everything. And he was tough on crime. I only like him in this instance. I probably wouldn't like him otherwise. Later that <laughs> night... <laughs> <laughs> you don't like tough on crime? You like soft on crime? Trust me, we don't like that. But yeah. later that night, somebody, in quotes. Carrie's in quote, air quotes. But by the way, the worst air quotes ever. <laughs> that's her drunk air We're quotes. We're not on video. It doesn't matter. You're the one who keeps making me drinks and bringing well, them over that's, here. That's another cocktail. Okay, later that night, someone drove by the jail and shot out all the windows. Wow. But Fred, Jim, and Rick, they're fine, obviously. There's going to be a trial. Yeah. <laughs> They've been charged literally four 
thousand pieces of evidence yeah, so they're, against these they're guys. Done. Yes, not master criminals. Okay. July 25th, 1977, Fred Woods and Jimmy Rick Schoenfeld pled guilty. Nice. To 27 counts of kidnapping for ransom. This is the important part without inflicting bodily injury. Oh, okay. They reversed their initial pleas. Initially, they had, I guess, they were probably pleading not guilty. And I'm uh, assuming okay. they all had super high price lawyers. I'm sure they did. But so, in exchange for them pleading guilty to yeah. those counts, the prosecution dropped 18 counts of armed robbery. Uh, I'm not sure about that. Yeah. But there were five charges of kidnapping with bodily harm. That crime carried a mandatory sentence of life without the possibility oh. of parole in California. And to that crime, all three pled not guilty. So they had to go to trial. They waived their right to a jury trial. Yeah. So this was just going before a judge. The trial was in Oakland. As one would imagine, there was intense media attention to this trial. The trial ended on December 15th, 1977. The judge softly said that the children's testimony was pretty much enough that he needed to hear. He said the level of terror they survived constituted bodily harm. For sure. So this basically meant parole would be out of the question for these guys, right? Well, eventually, like I said, they all had great lawyers mm. who did appeal after appeal oh, okay. after appeal. Okay. Eventually, those bodily harm charges were overturned. Jeez. They all became eligible for parole. The Chauvel brothers mm-hmm. were treated differently than Fred because Fred was the ringleader, okay. right? So they were both eventually paroled. Rick probably in 2012 and Jim in 2015. They've never talked about the case. Wow. Ever since well, then. Well, we're going to see if we can change that. Fred <laughs> was denied parole more than 15 times. His parents died while he was in prison, left him their flipping fortune. Oh, hundreds of millions. He has been married four times. What? What is he, Richard Ramirez? Four times. He's been married and divorced. Yes. Multiple times. Okay, that's weird. He's also been able to run a used car dealership in Tehachapi. No, stop it. America. And Don't a, allow this to happen. And a Christmas tree lot in the Bay Area, all from his prison cell. Oh, my God. And he keeps getting caught with pornography and cell phones. Well. He shouldn't have a cell phone. <laughs> anyway. And he also managed to buy a mansion on the coast. Carries anger about cell phones and grammar <laughs> of the kidnapping notes. As of March 2022, his parole has been approved. What the fuck? Well, how old old is he? He's... He was 24 and 76. Do the math. I cannot. You've given me too many alcoholic beverages. I've had a lot of cocktails. I'm not going to do the math. So wait. He's... Wait, hold on. 24. Okay, I was 10. He's like in his late 60s. And he was 24. So he's 14 years older than me. I I can't do that. I can't tell people how old you are. How old am I? I don't know how old you are. 50 something. I think you're 30. Oh. I think I'm 56. 30, 34? I want to say 35. Plus 40, 70. I want to say 17. He's 70. Wait, that's gross. I want to say. I'm proud of myself. I did the math. He's 70. Okay, 70 years old. I don't know if he's out yet or not. I was not not. able to find any information. 
a movie was eventually made of this. I don't remember that movie. What was it called? Uh, I don't know what it was called. <laughs> Guess who played Ed? <laughs> I have no idea. Who? You're scratching your nose for some reason. Like that's a hint. Carl Malden. Okay, that doesn't help. Oh my God, Carl no, but Malden scratching your nose. No, he has a giant I didn't nose. Scratch it. I just no, a giant. It. He has the nose that's the size of Venus. I'm not denying that, but. And everybody in Chowchilla hated the movie primarily because it was filmed in Topeka, Kansas. A lot of the information that I have here came from a very good Vox article. Well, thank you, Carrie, for bringing us the story of the Chowchilla. We're going to call it the Thrillland Chowchilla. No, we're not. We're not going to call it that. Until next time. Thank you for listening.